Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We made this. Hello and welcome to Chucky Vision, the podcast about child's play and Chucky here on the We Made This podcast network. My name's Mark and I am your host for this special bonus episode that we're just adding as a little bit of a addendum to the episode we posted last week. Last week's episode was about the Bride of Chucky soundtrack and we discussed it in the Free With This Month's Issue format alongside our friend Colin from Free With This Month's Issue. And during that chat, we talked about how Colin and I had had a conversation about the Spawn soundtrack on a podcast called Pull or Pass that was my show on a radio station called Fab Radio International maybe two or three years ago, maybe four years ago. God, time flies, pandemic, etc. But yeah, it was a while ago and I had Colin on as a guest and we talked about the Spawn film and spent a lot of the time talking about the Spawn soundtrack. Now, Colin and I have said we are going to probably do a proper Free With This Month's Issue episode on the Spawn soundtrack at some point. But while we're waiting, I thought what we might do is we could potentially put this episode as a curio for the Chucky Vision fans to listen to. But I wasn't sure it was relevant enough. So what I did was I did a Twitter poll and 80% of you said that you wanted it. So do you know what? I thought I'd post it. So no Dev in this special bonus episode, it's just Colin from Free With Issue and me on an old show which is no longer available anywhere, it was taken down. So this is kind of a weird exclusive I suppose, but yeah if you like comic books and you like me and you like Colin chatting about stuff we like and potentially stuff we don't like, we like the soundtrack, spoilers, we didn't particularly like the film then this is for you. This is Colin and me on Pull or Pass having a chat about the Spawn soundtrack. I'm Mark. And I'm Zach. Every week, on a Saturday, in the Fab Radio International Studios, we discuss three of the week's comic book releases and decide if we want to... Pull or Pass! Hello and welcome to Pull or Pass, your weekly geeky comic book show. This is issue 40, and I'm your host. My name is Mark. This month, the whole month of this month, and maybe a little bit longer than a month, we're doing Pull or Pass Film Club. Basically, regular co-host Zach is taking a bit of time off, and I'm getting some guests in to have a chat with me about films that have been adapted from comic books. I've already looked at Scott Pilgrim vs. The World alongside Tim Henton. And then I looked at The Crow alongside Malika J. Matthews and Hollywood Fletch from Supertap Film Club podcast. And today we are looking at 
Bourne. And I've recruited Colin Jackson-Brown from the We Made This Podcast Network's music shows, We Dig Music and Free With This Month's Issue. Hello, Colin. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? I'm all right. Colin, you are joining me for a chat about Spawn, the 1997 classic um, comic book film. Depends on your definition of classic, I think. (laughs) It exists. (laughs) Well, it's lovely to have you on, and I deliberately picked um, Spawn for you because you're a music guy. And whatever else you say about the Spawn film, the soundtrack is something else. <laughs> yeah. For, the, for people who don't know who haven't seen the film, the, the soundtrack was essentially get really rather popular rock act and really rather popular dance act and make them mesh something together for said soundtrack. And do yes. that 14 times. Well, it, it was essentially a spiritual sequel to... There was a, a film a couple of years earlier than that. I think it was 94, uh, called Judgment Night, where what they'd done for that one is, for the soundtrack, they'd got uh, rock bands and uh, various hip-hop acts and got them to collaborate together. So you've got um, people like uh, Faith No More and the Booyah Tribe um, and you've got Helmet and House of Pain and, and people like that. And then this was, it was 97, so you've got you know bands like Chemical Brothers and, and The Prodigy were sort of crossing over into the rock scene, and they thought, mm. well, let's, let's capitalise on that, and uh, got a really good soundtrack out of it, if not a really good movie. <laughs> is, is this both of the films that we're talking about now? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ju- Judgment Night I've seen once and, and yeah, it wasn't brilliant. <laughs> I haven't seen it and um, I think I'd probably be, like, unfortunately like the Spawn film, I think I'd be more into the soundtrack than the film the, itself. The soundtrack's definitely worth. For me, I watched I watched Spawn at the time, I saw it at the cinema in 97 and, you know, 1997 me would have looked at cinema very different to current me. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack really did blow me away. And the soundtrack was very much a... It's something that I remember vividly as part of being a university student at the end of the 90s. And I rinsed that soundtrack again and again and again. My goodness, I loved that soundtrack. It was just something to me that was so new, so different, so out there, so crossover. And so very, very emo late 90s mark. What, what, what's your relationship with the soundtrack? Because I know you're fond of it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the soundtrack came out when I it was 97, so I was 15. And it was when I was at school, right at the sort of... Me and all my mates were getting into new metal, like listening to Korn and, and Cold Chamber and stuff like that. And, and Korn had a lot of, um, like, on their B-sides, I remember, like, the Good God single had loads of remixes that were kind of similar to the sort of electronic metal crossover stuff that they were doing on the Spawn soundtrack. So I never actually owned the Spawn soundtrack myself. I copied it off a mate, but I don't think I had the full thing. I think I just um, picked tracks that I liked a bit more than some of the others and uh, mixed them with a load of, like, Korn remixes and 
Fear Factory's remanufacture and uh, White Zombie Super Sexy Swinging Sound remixes and stuff like that, and uh, add it all as a bit of a a mixtape kind of thing, and it worked really well. <laughs> it really, really did. The whole album was pretty sublime, but the the, the particular favourites for me was Can't You Trip Like I Do by uh, Filter and the Crystal Method. I essentially got into both of those bands heavily because of the Spawn soundtrack. I already loved The Prodigy because that was a, my, basically my favourite band at the time. And the fact that they had the guitarist from Rage Against the Machine to 1997 me was a, the coolest thing <laughs> that I could possibly imagine at that age, you know? And the, the Marilyn Manson Sneaker Pimps track, Long Hard Road Out of Hell, that was brilliant, despite the fact the Sneaker Pimps hated it. There was just so much good stuff, you know? Yeah, like the uh, the Corn and Dust Brothers track, uh, Kick the PA, I really liked at the time. Yep. And, uh, I remember really digging the Silverchair track as well, Silverchair in vitro. Yes. Um, and that uh, they Silverchair did a, a redone version called Spawn Again, because they, they've got the title track, theirs is just called Spawn, mm. um, on their Neon Ballroom album, which came out uh, 98 or 99. Um, they'd got a reworked version without the electronics of it just called spawn again yeah there's quite a few actually the um the prodigy one wasn't ever made into two separate ones but stuff like satan which was kind of the uh, orbital and kirk hamnet one it was a song by orbital that they added some kirk hamnet to yeah kirk, kirk hamnet was just sort of jamming all over it with his wire pedal basically which is what he does and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that it was a bloody brilliant version wasn't it yeah yeah it's great um, that's the the title track, uh, right? Not the title track, but it's the the opening credits with the the terrible, terrible CGI in the movie. <laughs> Shall we go on and talk is, about the CGI? I suppose we've got it, really, haven't we? <laughs> it's not very good. Well, it isn't. But you've got to think: in 1997, it probably was. Nah, it wasn't. You don't think. <laughs> No, there were there was. Um, it looks really bad now, but it would have looked really bad in nineteen ninety three. Um, there were, you know, there, there's some of those like fire effects and stuff like that. Uh, are like, you know, that it's sort of they're almost like Windows three point one screensavers and stuff like that. They're not even Windows ninety five level. For me, it felt a little bit like Lawnmower Man at the time when you watched Lawnmower Man. Yeah. They were the absolute cutting edge of CGI, and then it was so dated within just a few years. Lawnmower Man was ninety two, so that was five years earlier. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It very quickly became yeah. dated. Whereas this stuff, it felt like it just seemed to me like it. I don't know it didn't feel good enough to be a cinematic film. It felt like ropey telly kind of CGI. It it, it did, and not just the CGI, the, the costumes and practical effects as well, because the, the, the clown dude, uh, Violator, named after a very, very good Depeche Mode album. But, uh, Was that right? Not a very, very good character. No, I don't, I don't think he's named after that. I think it's just... Um, actually, it could be. I, but it, I think it may well have been Todd McFarlane just going, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past but him. It's, uh, he, he looks like... It's like sub-Power Rangers villain level um, 
kind of thing, isn't it, with, with his costume? And it, it's like John Leguizamo's worst ever role, which is pretty impressive considering that he was Luigi in the Mario Brothers movie. Do you know, I was um, going to mention that as well. I can't take the actor seriously <laughs> because of him being Luigi. And in this, it was almost as bad, you know. The the character does look like that in the comic books, but for some reason, translating it to screen, it just didn't work. Well, it's a, what's quite weird is is the, the the character that he was playing, yes, it looks spot on pretty much to how it is in, in the comic books, but he's like supposed to be about five feet tall, isn't he? Mm. Like four and a half feet tall. And John Leguizamo's a really tall dude. <laughs> so he must have been crouching down. It must have completely messed his back up. Yeah, I think that would have been a very uncomfortable costume for him. I can't see how um, good he would have enjoyed playing that good. role. And, and similarly, the the makeup for Michael J. White that was serious levels of effort. But John Leguizamo deserves to be uncomfortable for that performance. He never deserves to be comfortable again. Wow. <laughs> He should have the sofas removed from his house. <laughs> oh, it was bad. <laughs> I, I, so I watched this once at the time. Uh, I remember we got it out of uh, the uh, the video shop one afternoon and we got this and there was, I think it was a film, I've got a feeling it was called The Convent or something and it got Coolio in it as a uh, as a police officer. Brilliant. And it was it was... That is a film that knew it was a bad film and therefore had fun with it. Whereas this one, I don't think it knew how utterly terrible it was. I'll be honest with you. Any (laughs) film that has Coolio in it is probably going to be a bit tat, isn't it? It was was great, though. I actually really enjoyed that, but I can't remember. I'm sure it was called The Convent, but I've I've never found it since. Mm. So I might be wrong. (laughs) But it's... uh, I like bad films. Some of my favourite films are... I mean, Troll 2 is my absolute favourite film of all time. Oh, my God! Um, Exactly. Um, I even like The Happening, which nobody likes. (laughs) Um, You know, it's... uh, You know, stuff like The Room, they're enjoyably bad. The Room's wonderful. They are films that are so much fun to watch over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And this isn't one of those. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I can understand where you're coming from. And I, I'm very much along the same lines as you. I love a tap film. I love a film that is yeah. either was never good or hasn't aged well. And I think that this is very much a case of hasn't aged well. And that there are some things to like about this film. Like, you and I are very fond of music and Glastonbury. We've even podcasted about that. And I remember last year, Stormzy got into trouble for saying he was the first black headliner of Glastonbury. And he was quite rightly called out by Skin from Skunk and Nancy, who said, wait a minute, it was me in 98. And he apologised, and it was all good. Then... Black Panther came out, and they're like, it's the first black lead in a superhero film. Well, well, well no, it, it's not. It was Michael J. White in, in Spawn in 1997. Yeah. That one wasn't called out, and it wasn't apologised for. But also, there was Blade as well. <laughs> wasn't Blade after Spawn? 
Uh, Blade was after Spawn, but it was definitely before Black Panther. Mm. <laughs> yes, good point. Well made. Um, and the, th- the thing that I want to talk about here is the demographic for this film isn't is, is kind of white nerds. Let's be honest. And yeah, so they yeah. made a change, which I can see why they did it, but it's really, really cynical. His best mate in the comic books was also black. So Simmons and his mate Terry were both black in the comic books. Yeah. And they made the call to change Terry to white because they thought that it would be less alienating for the demographic. And I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. No, definitely not. I mean, I would hope that obviously they wouldn't think that with, you know, to do it now. Mm. But what's the name of his mate? What's the Terry? Is that is he is it Twitch? Is Terry known as Twitch as well? Because I because I can't remember who a character called Twitch Williams, and there I was looking earlier because there is a uh, remake that they're in the pre production sort of stage. They're sort of writing it at the moment, and I'm really excited about that. that I'm looking forward to it a lot. I think a modern a more modern version of it will work well. Yeah, and uh, well, it, it's got um, Jamie Fox is down to play Spawn. Brilliant. But then you've got Jeremy Renner down to play Twitch Williams, according to IMDb. And I didn't know if that was his best mate and whether they'd done it again, if that's the case. But uh, I could, it, it could be a completely different character. I have read the first three issues of Spawn. Um, it's not a comic that particularly grabbed me. It's all right. It just seemed really sort of derivative of, of um, well, loads of other comics. It's just sort of, um, you know, it's it's taken ideas from... I mean, well, Todd McFarlane um, was the creator of uh, the, the Venom character in Spider-Man, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. Twitch isn't his best mate, by the way. It's, it is Terry. Twitch is one of the two detective kind of buddy cop guys. Ah, uh, that's, that's fine then. That's fine. They're allowed to do that. <laughs> I hope they keep it, keep his character as as a, a black actor as well. Then, in fact, I'm fairly certain in 2020 that they wouldn't get away with, you know, with with uh, not having a, a an actor of color playing a character that mm. should be, because people are noticing that quite rightly so and, and calling it out these days. Yeah, I agree. But I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm never. I was never bothered when Kingpin was was black in the Daredevil film. I was bothered that the Daredevil film was terrible, but um, <laughs> I wasn't bothered by the actor being black. And, and similarly, Heimdall was, wasn't was black in the comics. He was white and beardy yeah. in the comics and obviously played by Idris Elba in Thor. But I, I don't see why they would change it for Spawn. There's no good yeah. reason. I mean, I, I think possibly how it was sort of forgotten that, this was the the first black superhero movie, as far as I know. There may have been earlier ones before that that I don't know of. It may have been forgotten because he was covered in CGI or prosthetic mo- prosthetics most of the time. Because he's uh... he, he was still black though. Just because you're yeah. burned doesn't mean you lose your skin tone. <laughs> yeah, but he's also got the the spawn mask on for quite a lot of the film. True, true. where he's he's all CGI'd up and and looking like a, a pound shop venom. <laughs> 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 you say you've only read the first three comics. What 
did you actually think of the comic book itself? Did you actually like it, and or did you make a decision to just not carry on reading? It, it was it was a recent thing, actually. It was last couple of weeks while preparing for this that I've actually got round to reading it. Spawn hmm. is it's one of those. I mean, for for people who are my age in the late nineties into metal and that kind of thing, Todd McFarlane was really really like fashionable and everybody would be like yeah yeah i did did todd Todd mcfarlane and wouldn't read any of the comics what we would all have is a couple of action figures that he designed on a shelf somewhere and the corn album that he did the cover for (laughs) but uh (laughs) nobody was as into him as as everybody used to claim you know, I had a really cool McFarlane Toys Ozzy Osbourne figure, and there was a really cool um, Ozzy Osbourne comic that... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. McFarlane, it, I think it was his, because um, he founded Image Comics, didn't he? Um, it That's was, right. It was, I think it was Todd McFarlane Presents. So I don't think he actually wrote the comic, but I definitely remember having that, and that was quite cool. It was at a, uh, Dave McKean artwork cover which is always uh, always a bonus <laughs> mm. so I think I've read Spawn and I've enjoyed Spawn I've read the first 40 or 50 and yeah. then I took a massive break and when I reviewed issue 300 for this show I really enjoyed it so I'm currently reading current Spawn and it's brilliant it really is great cool the the original comics I felt there was a lot more Clever satire. It was a lot more kind of on point rather than just let's have a massive action film. And I do feel it lost a lot of what the Spawn story was in this film. I, I saw a uh, an interview uh, that was done relatively recently with uh, Michael J. White. Mm. Uh, it was a YouTube video, but it was a, a radio interview that he was doing. Right. He was explaining how the orig- the first cut of the film that they made had loads more backstory and um, details about who he was before he became Spawn. Yeah. You know, a lot more sort of depth to it. And the, the director, he had the background in... He was a, a special effects dude, basically. Uh, Mark A.Z. Dippey. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a director I'd heard of. Well, I, I think this might have been the first film that he directed. Uh, yeah, this was the first first feature film. He'd done one music video for Herbie Hancock um, before right. that. But he was a special effects guy. He'd worked on 
um, Jurassic Park. I think he'd worked on Terminator 2. He'd worked on Back to the Future 2. I mean, that's quite a resume. He'd, he'd, done, he'd worked on some really well-respected films just with the special effects. So he uh, apparently went from... There was something like 72 special effects shots in the original cut, and he more than doubled that to the, the final cut. Right. Because he, he just got carried away with it and went, oh, I'm going to add even more really bad CGI. I mean, I can't believe... We, we've not even talked about how bad Satan looks in this film. Okay. <laughs> you know, the CGI version of the devil is... It's just hilarious, but then making it even funnier is his voice. It's just like, Hello, I'm the devil. <laughs> it really was just the cheesiest, corniest thing possible. But, I mean, the, you and I watched the director's cut version. Yeah. Whereas in America, they cut the horror and the gore to make it PG-13. I can't even begin to imagine how bad that film would have been <laughs> with all that CG and aimed at kids. Yeah. But the, the, the devil, you're right, was absolutely wretched. It was it was like something out of... I, I feel almost like, was it deliberately that terrible? Well, the, my, it's f- funny you should say make it suitable for kids because Mark A.Z. Dippe, stuff that he's directed since then... He's nearly all kids' films. Right, okay. Nearly all cartoons. He's done a load of um, Garfield uh, CGI cartoon movies, including Garfield Gets Real, which is potentially... Uh, my. I've got a, a four-year-old daughter, and she's just recently got into Garfield, and she was watching it the other week, and it's potentially... It, it would be vying for the crown of worst film that Mark A.Z. Dieppe had made along with Spawn, because <laughs> it's so wow. bad. You know, I, d- I used to not really mind the Garfield cartoon when I was a kid, but that film was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no intention of watching any of the Garfield films. I don't have children. I don't want children. <laughs> so this film, I'm trying to find some stuff that's good. And I liked The Cape. I know this is a little bit scraping the barrel, but I liked the cape. It felt as showy as it is in the comics, and it was cool. That CGI worked with the cape. All the capey stuff was good. Yeah, it was really underused, though. There was... Uh, yes, you know, it was. He didn't have it a lot, which I think it was probably a budget thing, because there, there were a couple of scenes where it was really prominent, and then most of the film, it's not even there. There's, there's a scene where he's on the side of a building where he uses the cape to turn invisible, and then pretty much straight afterwards goes visible again and it's a bit like don't know why you did that just to show you can do it okay fair enough <laughs> yeah and um, i thought that the little girl that played cyan was very good she portrayed childhood innocence in a really nice way and yes. everyone else was kind of like really fearful of his burnt appearance whereas she was a cute little kind girl i thought that was actually dead good yeah, all of those kids in the film, all of her friends at her birthday party are obviously fearless because none of them were terrified by this horrifying clown that was entertaining them at the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, okay, back to criticism. Um, Luigi was just campus hell. He was really, really, really bad. Really bad. It was oh, all the fart jokes and stuff were like, 
Now I'm I'm very childish. I uh, I I think farts are funny, but they just he couldn't even make them work. <laughs> I I felt like that was really incongruous. It was grim and dark, and the superhero yeah. had got burn scars, and he'd been murdered, and he. He was sad that his wife has got with his best mate and everything went wrong. Oh, fart joke. Yeah. What? It it just felt really, really... Even for that character, Violator was supposed to be crazy, supposed to be crazy, but then he became super, super badass and the fight scene was actually quite cool. That CGI worked, I thought. The fight scene between Spawn and Violator I thought was pretty cool, actually. It, it was but, one of the least worst bits, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but then fart gags. This character was supposed to be such a threat and so dangerous and so evil. And then he was doing trumps and laughing at them. I, yeah. What? Why? I don't understand. Just, yeah. It's, uh, one of my other favourite bits of, of CGI in the film is uh, glowing green magical exposition man. Oh, that was terrible. It was like something out of a Doctor Who, that was. <laughs> yeah, it was like, let's make this man look mystical by putting a green highlighted glow around him very occasionally. Uh, he really reminded me of, you know, the... Um, uh, I can't remember the, the character's name, but the guy in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie that basically tells her that she's a slayer. But he was basically just there to provide exposition. He was a little bit... Just exposition. And and I think, talking about the plot, it's very similar to The Crow, which I yeah. talked about last week. Yes. And it is basically someone is done wrong. Red Hot Ruenge, but he's a little bit overpowered most of the time. Yeah. It's like The Crow. Yeah, definitely. But it's... it's uh... It's like the crow. It, it, it's almost as if they went, we need... Okay, so the heavy metal kids that hang around the bandstand in Tamworth in England really, really like uh, the crow. We need to find them a new film. Spawn, let's try that. Well, they'll like the soundtrack. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, overall I, d- I prefer the crow soundtrack to uh, the Spawn soundtrack even because uh, the crow has one of my favourite songs by one of my favourite bands with uh, Burn by The Cure and uh, there's Nine Inch Nails on there and everything but it, it, it it's almost like a battle between um, Nine Inch Nails and Filter because Richard Patrick from Filter was originally in Nine Inch Nails and they did not get on Right. so if you've got to pick a side I would go with The Crow but um, no I do dig a lot of the tracks on I, you know, it Spawn, the soundtrack definitely redeems it, I think. Yeah, I think it would be even more forgotten than it is if it wasn't for the phenomenal and innovative crossover-type soundtrack, definitely. Got it, it'd be like the random 90s like Punisher movies and stuff like that that nobody remembers watching. Some of the Ghost Rider movies, which I know I've seen, but I don't remember anything about them. <laughs> yeah, th- this film... Could have been great. The yeah. source material is excellent. The soundtrack is excellent. Some of the stunts, the stuff with the bikes, they were great. And everybody loves a red hot revenge story. Yeah. And there was lots of fun explodium and lots of stuff that would make me love it. But 
the special effects almost felt like they were there for show in a lot of places. Yeah. And unfortunately, they were just on the edge of not very good at the time and have now aged really, really badly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, 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 hopefully, hopefully, if Todd McFarlane gets round to making the remake, it'll be great. Um, he's been bigging it up loads. Like we said, he's got um, Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner allegedly are all signed up and on board. Mm. And he's been saying that since the success of R-rated superhero movies like Deadpool and Joker, that he's, it's been opening a lot of sort of doors for him. So hopefully yeah. that will be, if it can be as good as Deadpool or um, or Joker, I'll be very surprised, but very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I think perhaps there are very few films in all of ever that will be as good as Joker. Um, so I think that's a slightly unfair comparison, but I think going into yeah. it as an R-rated film and then not being restricted and having to make it PG-13 yeah. will be beneficial for the Spawn background. The, the Spawn is bleak as hell. Spawn is satire. Spawn is ultra-violence. And... Yeah. They didn't get any of that right in yeah. the original 1997 Spawn. But I think, in like you say, in the current R-rated movies are okay kind of environment, I really think that given a second chance, this will be a great film. Yeah. But will the soundtrack be as good? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I, I can't even think who would be on it. <laughs> I would quite like it if they like picked one of the original soundtrack and chucked it on there somewhere as kind of like a nod or an Easter egg. Yeah, you get a lot of that kind of thing in comic book films, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Even if it was just uh, on a car stereo as they're driving past, just like the I mean the the Incubus and DJ Spooky track, you only hear as Spawn Man's wife is reversing out of the driveway, quite low down in the mix. Yeah. So, you know, they could just do something like that with it. <laughs> I think so. And it'd have to be Long Hard Road Out of Hell, I think. <laughs> no, I, that, you might struggle with that. Although I think the sneaker pimps have broken up. They could probably do with the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, really mean. I apologise <laughs> to sneaker pimps. I'm very fond of the sneaker pimps. But, um, yeah. <sighs> this film really... I wanted it to be good. I had kind of like yeah. happy young adult memories of it and watching it as a 40-something, I didn't love it and kind of bounce off the walls like I did yeah. with The Crow, but I feel like I can understand why I enjoyed it when I, when I saw it at the time yeah. and I'm now disappointed with it now. Yeah, I can dig that. Oh, and the I ending's think... utterly bizarre. Utterly bizarre. <laughs> yes. It's like 15 minutes of terrible, terrible CGI that doesn't really make sense. There's bits where Spawn's getting thrown through loads of fire and the, it just looks like one still picture that's just moving across the background and stuff. It's, what, what I did find is it's not a film I think I'm going to put on again. What you can do is it's a 90-minute long film. 
you can save 70 minutes of your time by watching the Cinema Sins uh, video on YouTube where they just go through all of the terrible, terrible things about it. <laughs> Uh, which uh, which is very very funny and and definitely worth a watch and does a better editing job than the original movie anyway cause, mainly because they edit it down to eighteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, the internet does tend to agree with us. It has an eighteen percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't good. No. <laughs> I mean, I've watched and enjoyed films with lower ratings than that, but they were films that deliberately took the mickey, as opposed to this, which at the time was deadly, deadly serious and a showcase of CGI and all of these things. And, you know, it's definitely a hasn't aged well. I mean, some of the CGI, I'll, I'll compare it to The Mask, the mask is allowed to be cartoony and weird, and the CGI, whilst the same quality, kind of still kind of holds up because of the nature of the film. Yeah. Whereas some of the weirdo, weirdo CGI with Violator's face, it took me out of the plot of the film because I'm like, oh, that's a bit like the mask. Yeah. I don't know whether that's fair, but. Because of the nature of the two stories and the fact that one was R-rated and one was aimed at kids, it felt like this CGI was just to the detriment of the film. Yeah. Like Michael J. White was saying in the uh, in the interview, perhaps the original version was a lot better, but it's like the, the director being a CGI um, special effects guy himself, it's almost mm. like perhaps he was underconfident and decided to stick with stuff that he knew but didn't know <laughs> and uh yeah clearly <laughs> good soundtrack though. but yeah i was about to say exactly the same thing but the soundtrack is something to be treasured i yes. think and yeah. um it's been in my life a long time that soundtrack i listen to it i still listen to it this day, to this day and um yeah. i wonder how i will feel about the remake having a soundtrack that's okay and um, being a better film, but a soundtrack that's okay. Because I don't think that will perhaps resonate with me as much, even though it's going to be inevitably going to be a much better film. Yeah. It'd be hard not to, but um, yeah, I, I doubt the soundtrack will be as good, but we'll, we'll wait and see what, you know, what McFarlane does with it. (laughs) Allegedly next year, but obviously he said all that before um, all the uh, the lockdown and stuff happened, which has put everything on bloody hold. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, but I can be patient. It's been over twenty years. I, I would say it's worth taking your time over it if you're going to do a decent job with it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Indeed. Well, Colin, it's been lovely having a chat about a truly odd kind of <laughs> weird film that I didn't realise was as weird until I rewatched it. Yeah. So thank you very much for being on Polo Pass Film Club. Thank you. Can I talk about a better film next time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if there is a next time, you can pick the film rather than me. Excellent. <laughs> Cheers, Mark. So then you're listening to Polo Pass, and I'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to Pull or Pass. To listen again, it's www.mixcloud.com slash pull or pass. Or you can listen to the podcast version on Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, and all other good podcast sites. Join our Facebook group, search for Pull or Pass Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Pull or Pass. One hundred years since Nosferatu first terrified audiences on the big screen. Thirty years since Francis Ford Coppola gave us Bram Stoker's Dracula. And, um, ten years since Dark Shadows with Johnny Depp. Vampire Videos is a podcast taking a look at this iconic blood-sucking monster on film and television. I'm Dan Owen. And I'm Hugh McStay. And we're here to guide you through a century of vampirism on film. From Hollywood's golden age with Bela Lugosi as Count Dracula. To the more lurid hammer horrors of the 60s and 70s starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Through to the 80s boom in vampires which brought these creatures of the night into the modern age. And everything this century's had to offer us. From foreign and independent films, spoof comedies and even teenage love stories. Yes, I'm talking about Twilight. We aim to cover it all one bite at a time. So join us on a voyage into the depths of vampire cinema, old and new, with weekly guests offering their own insights and expertise. And why not follow us on Twitter, at Vamp Videos. A proud part of the We Made This Podcast Network, subscribe now to Vampire Videos, and thanks Thanks for for listening. Chucky Vision is a podcast brought to you by the We Made This Network. Follow us on Twitter at ChuckyVision. Follow the network on Twitter at WMT underscore network. Our website is WeMadeThisNetwork.com. The logo was designed by Dev and the theme tune composed by Dark Fantasy Studios. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.